0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're in our second week of a Christmas series, and we're calling it more than a holiday. And if you're not a, a, a follower of Christ, you say, I'm not really a church goer. I just happen to show up this morning. You, you'll identify with this a little bit. Church folks get a little touchy about Christmas time, and that we always feel like, man, people don't really respect Christmas for what it is. They just think it's about sales, and it's about shopping, and it's about Santa. And church folks, we kind of get bent, bent out of shape about that. And I understand that. But, but here's where I would say church folks uh, participate in that in a little the same way, and that we oftentimes think, you know, Christmas is about the birth of Christ, it's the baby Jesus, it's the baby Jesus, and I'm like, it's about the baby Jesus, but, you know, I heard somebody the other day say that, that the birth of Christ is the single most uh, significant event in human history, and I thought, well, actually, if that little baby doesn't rise from the dead, we don't, we don't acknowledge that that baby was born. And so here's what I think we do in the church sometimes. We go, oh, baby Jesus, baby Jesus, baby Jesus. And what we're saying is, oh, no, no, more than a holiday is this baby Jesus who grew up to be a man who was crucified, who resurrected from the dead, and is active in our lives today. And we're looking at how does that Jesus still change lives today? A baby born 2,000 years ago, why does it still matter? How is he still involved in our lives today? How does he still matter? And Pastor Amos preached last week about Jesus actually helps us make better decisions today. A baby born 2,000 years ago actually helps us make better decisions today. That's called wisdom. He gives wisdom. And what we learned last week was this, that listening plus obeying is wisdom. And when you're a pastor of the church, you know, you hear folks that say this stuff all the time. Oh, pastor, just give me the word. Just give me the word. Just preach the word. And I said, well, at some point, you got to do something with it. Like, at some point, it's got to affect the way we live. And so we found that listening plus obeying. Is what wisdom is. That's wisdom. And this week we're going to look at a different question and how does Jesus still affect us today. And we're kind of asking a little bit this question. How does Jesus help us when we're facing temptation? Now here's the skinny on this, right? I think a lot of times we, we think about temptation and we all think about, ah, what's the, that hardest thing that I really struggle with temptation? Is it lust or is it something I say with my mouth or is it the way I behave or is it relationships or is it some addiction of alcohol or drug, whatever it is. And I get that. I think... Ultimately, if you think about this, ultimately, temptation is a fidelity issue. In other words, it's a loyalty issue. Am I going to be loyal to God? Am I going to be loyal to Christ? Am I going to be loyal to the teachings of Christ? Or do I just give in to what I like to do? Do I just give in to self? And so at its very core, temptation is really an issue of giving in. And if you give in long enough, long enough, long enough, long enough, you just give up. And here's the deal, you say again, I'm not a follower of Christ, that may be you this morning. By the way, I'm always thrilled when people who come to church say, I'm not really a follower of Christ, but I'm just checking it out, love the fact that you're here, I want you to keep coming. But even if that's you, there's still this tension that you wrestle with of right and wrong. It's not in your own terms kind of, but it's right and wrong. And so this morning we're going to look at how does Jesus help us when facing temptation? But really, ultimately, I think it's this, how does Jesus help us to not give in and not give up? That's what we're really looking at this morning. We're we're going to take a look and see what the scriptures say about that. And so I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, if you have a Bible, flip it open. If you pull up a digital, like you pull up a Bible app, you have something on your phone, it'll always ask you, what translation do you want? We use the new Living Translation. You'll just want to check into that. And then if you don't have a hard copy Bible, which I'm old right now, and so I like pages. I want to feel, I want to touch. I've told you this before. I like to circle and highlight and, and write notes. And then if I got somebody that, I don't know, and they're sitting beside me, I like to go like this so that they can see that I'm very spiritual, so that I write in my Bible. So you can do that. Feel free to do that, right? Hebrews chapter 4, when you get it, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Oh, I was going to tell you, though, if you want a hard copy Bible, we bought them for you. They're in the lobby. Uh, They're on high top tables at the ends of the lobby. Just feel free to grab one. Take one. It's our gift to you. Just realize we have English Bibles and Spanish Bibles. This is Hebrews 4, and I'm starting in verse 14. It says this, so then... Since we have a high priest, a great high priest, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he didn't sin, verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to be in your presence. God, you are the creator. And we're, we, we have audience with you right now. What a privilege, the privilege to call you our father. We thank you for that. And Lord, now what we need is we need your Holy Spirit to explain the scriptures to us. Holy Spirit, give us understanding. And more, far more than what I could ever say, Holy Spirit, that I'm just trusting that you're going to speak into the hearts and the lives and the minds of people this morning as they hear from you. So do that. Do that, God, in a way that draws us to you, and do it, Father, in a way that brings honor and glory to your great name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So, so we're really asking this question, how is it that a baby born 2,000 years ago in the year 2021, how does he still help us? And specifically today, we're looking at how does he help us to not give in and to not give up? I'm going to give you two things right up front. Don't worry, we're going to flesh them out. But the two things are this. He tells us to hold firmly and to come boldly. So I'm just giving you a heads up. That's where we're going to be going this morning. You'll see and we'll flesh them out. But when it comes to not giving in to not giving up, he's going to talk to us about hold firmly Come boldly. Look at your text. Look at your text. Verse fourteen says this. So then. Now I'm gonna stop you there because so then is one of those statements that means it's it's an understanding that you understood what was said previously. I said this, I said this, so then. Okay, so here's context for you. This is from the the letter, we call the book oftentimes, it's the letter to the Hebrews. It's a letter written to the Hebrews. It would have been a circulating letter, right? It's written and then it would have circulated churches. But here's the audience. The audience is to Christians, specifically to Christians. Now, I say this all the time, that all scripture is written for us, it just wasn't all written to us. It's certainly written for us. This passage was specifically, this letter was specifically written to Christians, but here's the the real specific thing, and this matters. It's written to Jews, hence the name Hebrews. It's written to Jews, and here's why this matters. Because the letter was written in about the year 65. Remember, this Christ would have been crucified somewhere around the year 30 AD, and now it's about 65 Right, And so the Christians of that day, the church is starting to grow. It's exploding. Uh, it's, it's, it's traveling throughout the world. But Christians are starting to experience some persecution. The emperor at this time in Rome would have been Nero. Some of you know the name Nero. You know a little bit about Nero. Nero was kind of a madman. right? He, it's, it's said, we, we believe this historically, he probably killed his mother, killed two wives killed himself by the time he was about 30. He became the emperor at about the age of 16, 16, and he's the Roman emperor. He kind of has this grandiose idea of wanting to build this empire that would make him look awesome, and he's got kind of some ideas of architecturally what that should look like, and he doesn't like what's currently in Rome, and so he wants to get rid of it. So what does he do? Lights the city on fire. That's the thought is that Nero is the one who lit the city on fire. Okay, now he doesn't want to look bad to all his subjects. And so what does he do? He blames it on the Christians. That's what Nero does. And so we don't know that there was necessarily the systemic persecution, but we think it was pretty widespread. And so Christians now are looked down upon and they're resented because you don't lit the city on fire. What are you doing? So think about this now. They're practicing as Jews. They were, and now they're following Jesus. Very different. They were practicing as Jews. Now they're following Jesus. So their temptation right now is to give in. In other words, we're going to go back to the old temple system because our life was just simpler. We're going to go back to the old temple system. We didn't have all this upheaval and, and all this pushback when we were just worshiping at the temple. They're fixing to give in and totally give up on the whole Jesus thing. They're fixing to go back to the old temple worship, that style. That they're thinking about doing that. And this writer is, is writing to them saying, hey, listen to me, listen to me. Stop, just stop, just take a breath, right? This Jesus is far superior to the angels. This Jesus is far superior. He gives more hope than the old Mosaic law, the Old Testament. This Jesus is better than any bull or any goat or any lamb you could possibly sacrifice. That's what he's telling them. Don't give up. Don't give in. Hang in there. So then, right? So then he says, so then, this is very important. Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God. He's talking about the high priest. He's talking about how the fact that Jesus is now the high priest. Right? But this word term high priest is very important because he's communicating to them in a cultural paradigm that they wouldn't understand. Remember, they were Jews. Okay, here's the way the high priest thing works in Judaism. The high priest represents all the people. If we were, uh, if we were in the old temple system today, the high priest would represent you and me. And once a year, the high priest would go into the temple. He would pass, many of you know this, he would pass through the veil or the curtain, he would pass through that, and he would enter into an area called the Holy of Holies. When he steps into the Holy of Holies, you are now in the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was there. It's the very presence of God. And once a year, the high priest would step in there, this is really important, and make a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And here's the beauty of it, get ready for this. If the sacrifice of the high priest is acceptable to God, everybody who the high priest represents is now acceptable to God. You can be the biggest knucklehead, right? You're acceptable to God because you, you, you practice Judaism. The high priest represents you. The sacrifice was acceptable. You're now accepted. Got it? Only here's what he's saying now. We have a great high priest who is the writer referring to? He's referring to Jesus, the Son of God. He's saying, we have a high priest. We have somebody who's gone to God on our behalf. We have someone who didn't make a sacrifice. We have someone who was a sacrifice, who is a sacrifice, is and was today. That's what the writer is talking about. So then, since we have this great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who, by the way, has entered heaven. Here's the referral. He's saying, this was one who was crucified, yes. Died, yes. Died, yes crazy, rose from the dead, P.S., walked the earth for another 40 days, was seen by hundreds of witnesses. They attested to it. They wrote about it. He was witnessed by them. After 40 days, ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty where he intercedes for you and I all the time. That's what this writer is saying. We have this high priest, Jesus, who has entered heaven, right? And then he says this, So then, He continues, so let us hold firmly. Here's the first one we talked about. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Got it? Now, this word firmly uh, is very interesting because it means this. It means to seize, to grasp with strength, and it also means this, to retain it. In other words, there are beliefs that we, hey, right on, I believe that, and then after a while we just let them go and we forget about him. And he's saying, no, 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 seize it, grasp it, hold firmly to it, retain it to what we believe. Well, what's he talking about what we believe? Well, there are a lot of things that we believe in Christianity. We believe there's one God. We believe there's one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that. We believe that he came to the earth in the form of a baby. We believe that. With it, he, we believe that he grew up into a man. He lived a sinless life. We believe that. We believe that he was crucified on our behalf, that he did in fact die, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead. We believe that. And we believe that then he ascended into heaven. Here's something else we believe. We believe that he, because he's our high priest, we're accepted by God. And it gives us identity. See, we believe that who we are in Christ matters. For those of you who've surrendered your life to Christ, you've committed your your life to Christ, you've acknowledged your sins, you've asked for forgiveness, right? You're a different person now. The scripture says old things are gone, the new has come. You're a different person. You are accepted by God because of Christ. Not because of you. You and I half the time, we're idiots. You're accepted by God because of Christ, right? Listen to what Paul says in the letter to the Ephesian church. He says, for he, God, for God raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. Why? Because we're united with Christ. That because you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've made him your, you're different. You're widely accepted by God. You, you, you are adopted as children of Son of God. And what the writer of the Hebrews is saying, you've got to hold firmly to that. You've got to seize it. You've got to grab it with strength. And you've got to retain it. And you've got to hold on to who you are in Christ. Now, I'm going to try to explain this, and this is going to be stupid, but just sit there anyway. So all growing up, uh, I played, uh, I loved basketball, I loved it, right? Uh, I played it in junior high and I played it in high school and I played it uh, when I went to college, small college, Division three, right? But played basketball, I loved it. So I get to college, there's three freshmen who make the team. I'm one of them, Mike, right on, this is good. We had a, a group in front of us that was pretty good. I think I got in seven games all year. So we were either crushing somebody or we were getting crushed. And it was like, you can't screw it up. Neil, you go in. It was that kind of thing. But the next year, a whole lot of folks graduated. And that spot was open. And that was my spot. And I knew that was my spot. And everybody on our team that was coming in or that was in school, they knew that was my spot. That's your spot. And so I worked hard all summer. And I lifted weights all summer. And I was playing ball all summer. And I was getting up shot, 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 shot. I was playing all summer long. And then I get back to school and captain's practice starts and and I'm like, that's my spot. And I think that's my spot. And then practice starts. And there's a freshman behind me who's pretty good. And I went, he's pretty good. But when practice starts, I'm a starter. That's my spot. Here's the challenge. Over time, over time, over time, I'm playing like this. Every time I turn the ball over, every time I throw the ball away, every time I miss a shot, every time I screw something up, I'm playing like this. And I'm concerned about my position on the team and how the coach views me and how he sees me and how important I am to him. Do you understand that? Okay, same thing. See, when you and I don't hold firmly to what we believe and we don't hold firmly to whose we are and to who we are in Christ, it's very easy for us to give in and it's very easy for us to give up because we're constantly wondering, I wonder what God thinks of me. I wonder how God feels about me. See, if you were to hold firmly to what we believe, this is what we'd say. I'm an adopted child of God. God loves me not because of what I've done, because I couldn't earn it. I'm a child of God because of Christ. That never changes. That doesn't change. That's dramatically important that we hold firmly to who we are in Christ. So we're going to do that at the end of the service. You just hold on. Now watch this. This is what the writer goes on to say. This high priest Jesus, of ours, understands our weaknesses. Just stop. That feel kind of good? That Jesus doesn't know our weaknesses. He understands them. He gets them. He totally gets us. Why is that? Because he faced all the same testings we do and still didn't sin. He was tempted to give in. He was tempted to give up. We saw Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed. And before they came and grabbed him, do you remember Jesus? He's literally, biologically, sweating blood. It's a phenomenon that happens when people are under great duress. And his prayer was this. Father, I I don't want to do this. I'm ready to give this in. I'm ready to give this up. Remember that? He said, take this cup from me. He was there. He was right. See, he understands. When when you're struggling with something, don't you kind of want to talk to somebody who's been there? You say, hey, man, I'm really struggling in my marriage right now. Wouldn't you like to talk to somebody who's struggled in their marriage and has gotten through it? You've lost a child. A couple folks around here have lost children recently. Wouldn't you like to talk to somebody else who's lost a child and gotten through it? You're recovering from an addiction Wouldn't you like to talk to somebody who's gotten through the same addiction and and, and has triumphed? Like, wouldn't you like to do that? See, Jesus has experienced everything we have. You know why? Because he was born as a baby. And that's what we think about at Christmas. He was born as a baby. Guess what? He's been tired. He's been hungry. He wept. He's experienced unbelievable betrayal. And everybody just left him. He's been falsely accused, suffered unthinkable physical pain on the cross. Everybody turned their back on him. He's been there. He's been there. Like He's experienced what you and I have experienced. This high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses. Why? Because he faced all the same testings we do. Yet he he still didn't sin. He didn't give in and he didn't give up. All right, we said the first thing was to hold firmly, right? But the second thing is to come boldly, and I want you to see this, because this is really interesting. So the writer of Hebrews goes on, and he says, so, because of all that, because we have a high priest, because we have a high priest who went and made a sacrifice on our behalf, because that high priest's sacrifice was acceptable and pleasing to God, now we can walk right into the presence of God. He says, so, because of all that, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Now, here's what's really cool about this. The writer here of Hebrews is going to tell us what to do. He's going to tell us how to do it. He's going to tell us what we get when we do it. And he's going to tell us when to do it. So here's the first thing he says you should do. First thing you should do is come to the throne of our gracious God. Just come to God. Come to God. You feel like giving in? You feel like giving up? you just like, I don't know where I'm going from here. I don't know how I go on. You go directly to God. You know why you get to do that? Because we have a high priest. Did I mention this part? The high priest made a sacrifice, was a sacrifice. It was pleasing and acceptable to God. And because of that, like, you're in. You're just in because of our high priest. You're in. So he says, go right to the Father. But here's what's really cool. He says, come boldly. And this word boldly is really interesting in this context. It's the Greek word paraseia. Right, And it means boldly or confidently. That's no different. It means exactly what we would think it means. But here's what's really interesting. That word se in the Greek language is only used in the context of your speech. Isn't that cool? He's saying, come and speak boldly to God. Come and speak confidently to God. Why? Because of the high priest. Not because of you or me. The first thing you see is, man, go to God. Go right to the throne. Go right to the throne. Which is really cool because in the ancient world, Only certain people could go to the throne. And they could only go at certain times. Here, because of our high priest, because he made a sacrifice that was pleasing and acceptable to God, you and I are right in, and we now call the king our father. Like, that's cool. And he says this, come boldly, speak boldly to God. Go right to his throne. And when you speak, he says, you will, this is a promise, you will receive his mercy God, I'm struggling. God, I'm battling. God, I want to give in. God, I want to give up. You'll receive mercy. And you'll find grace to help you. God, I, I just need strength. God, I just need courage. You'll receive it. He just says that. You come boldly. You speak boldly to God. You tell him what you need. Tell him you need mercy. Tell him you need grace. Because of your high priest. Not because of you. Not because of me. Because of our high priest. Because of the sacrifice that he was. And because it was so pleasing and acceptable to God. You'll find it. And then I love this. He tells us when we should go, go when you need it most. Like I love that. Like you're struggling, you're like, oh, I really need it right now, man. That's when you go. You need mercy. You need grace. If you feel like giving up. If you feel like giving in. Go where to the Father. How boldly speak. Ask. You know what he tells us? You're going to receive mercy and grace. Like I just love that. This is what Paul said again to the Ephesian church. Because of Christ, our high priest, and the sacrifice that he made, because it was so pleasing to God, and because you've accepted Christ, because you've committed your life to Christ, because you've surrendered your life to Christ, because of all that, we can now speak boldly and confident as we come into God's presence. Anytime! Like, those of you who have kids, you know this, and some of you were kids. Some of you used to be kids, actually. And you know this when you were a kid, you'd go to your parents and, like, daddy, daddy, or you'd say, mommy, whatever it was. And to you, it's an emergency, right? And your folks, they got to figure it out. They know it's it's not really an emergency. Like, yeah, 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 daddy's busy right now. Mommy's busy right now. Do you know our father never says that? Like, is that a weird thought? Our father never says that. Our father just says, What do you need? You need grace? You need mercy? Right on. I'm here. I got you. Like, I just love that. And so if if you've been here a while, you know at the end we always have a big so what. If you're new, you didn't realize this. You just wasted 30 minutes because this is the only thing you need to tune into. But our big so what is our, like, this is what it comes down to. And we're saying this this week. Look, man, hold firmly. Come boldly. And as a result, live expectantly expecting that you'll get grace, expecting that you'll get mercy, expecting that God will speak into your life so that you don't give in, so you don't give up. I would say this, live victoriously. I would say live expectantly, right? Live, I would say, courageously. Man, when we hold firmly to who we are in Christ, because that's a whole different thing than who we are. I mean, you got that figured out, right? That's very different. Who we are is very different than who we are in Christ. When we hold firmly to that, and then we come and we speak boldly to God, telling him what we need, you can live expectancy that he'll give you what you need. He'll give you grace. He'll give you mercy. And so we have a big now what. But here's the thing at our church, man. We're doers of the word. Doers. And so we have a concept now. Now what do we do? What's my next step? So here's here's the big now what for this week. Listen to God first. Remember last week, Pastor Amos had, it was, it was talk to God first. And I want you to listen to God first, but here's the thing. I want you to listen to, to God. How many of you know the devil's a liar? How many of you know the devil is the father of all lies? How many, how, how many of you know that he'll just speak things into your brain and we're idiots and so after a while we just go, yes, that is probably right. No, those are lies from the devil. And sometimes we talk to ourselves and we say stupid things to ourselves. And we begin to believe things about ourselves that aren't true. And so this week what I want us to do is to listen to God first. Don't listen to thoughts that are rattling around in your own coconut. Don't listen to that stuff. Don't listen to the stuff that the devil puts into your head. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to listen to God first. We're going to listen to to see what God says about you. And these are just a few, but some, some, some of the ways that God feels like you. So everybody take a deep breath. Let it go. All right, now lean back. Now I want you to listen to God speak. see that's what God says so here's my question who are you listening to and do you hold firmly do you seize it with strength and do you retain it what God says like are we doing that it's a game changer it's a game changer and that's really a great part of how we don't give in and we don't give up you shouldn't be walking around looking over your shoulder questioning your position with God, questioning how God feels about you. But those are the lies of the devil. I love the passage in Ephesians that said that God adopted us and it says it's what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. That's a game changer for me. It gave him great pleasure to adopt Neil. It gave him great pleasure to adopt you. Give God great pleasure. So good, so Father. This morning we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you speak to us, God. Jesus, thank you that you are our High Priest. That you were a baby, yes, born two thousand years ago, yes who grew to be a man who was crucified, who rose from the dead and currently sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And you still work in our lives in 2021. You are relevant. You are meaningful. Jesus, you changed lives today and we're grateful for that. So God, I thank you for your word, that you speak that to us, that you remind us. I pray that we would hold firmly in these coming days and especially around the holiday. God, I pray that we would hold firmly to our identity in Christ. Thank you, Lord.